0: Pretty sure that people who were living during World War I thought they were living in the end times. When all of the world was at war, or when World War II begins to come back into play, right? And we see nations against nations and all kinds of things. So I'm always hesitant to say, I believe we're living in the end times. What I will tell you is this, that the further we get away from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the more likely it becomes that we are living in the end times. Okay, so we're going to unpack this. Given the state of affairs in the world, many have questions concerning the end. What's what's it going to look like? How is the end going to come about? Some are building, listen, fallout shelters. Matter of fact, I would say some are pretty cool. I've seen some who have built them out of old abandoned missile silos that the military used. And I'm like, man, that thing is like, if the end comes, I want to be down there. Right? Like if the the end of the world, not necessarily Jesus coming back, but if there's this nuclear fallout and things, it's like, man, these people are going to be living high on life to a certain extent. But some are building fallout shelters. Some stockpile food and weapons and others talk about the zombie apocalypse. And still others don't seem to be concerned at all. And I think that there is a reality that we have to understand that we have to have some balance on both sides. As a believer, While I can say we want to prepare for the end, I don't believe that Jesus, when he talks about preparing at the end, is talking about believers going into fallout shelters and sheltering themselves from the rest of the world. Matter of fact, as far as I'm concerned, if nuclear fallout and everything else was to happen, I don't want to be around. John 14, verse 3 says this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So there's this promise that Jesus makes for us to understand that when it comes to talking about living in the end times, or are we living in the end times, I want to look at it through the lens of scripture and see to us about what the end is going to look like. All right? So again, we're going to Be feeling like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. So Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3. I'm going to read the first 10 verses here through verse 14. So this is what he says. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out. Everybody say watch out. Watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive how many? Many, yes, that's correct. So many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Do you get a picture yet there? Right? All these bad things are going to be taking place, but that's not the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. They will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you will be magnified and glorified, that Jesus would be made much of, that we would understand our our standing and our position in light of the end, that God is as a result of the end times, or as a result of the fact that you are sending your son back at some point, God, may we live with great respect And being alert, knowing that you have called us to be people of your word and to be people who share the gospel with others. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So listen, here's the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that we must keep careful watch living holy lives while remaining on high alert for Christ's coming. Keep that in mind, that we have to keep careful watch living holy lives while remaining on high alert for Christ's coming. I always think of it this way, and I've used this on multiple times and situations, but when I was in the military, we had to stand watch. When we were in port, we would stand watch, and we would stand guard, and we had to monitor everybody who came on and off the ship. If they didn't have a proper ID, and the ID didn't match their face, and they weren't in proper attire or proper gear, then we could deny people access to our ship at any time in any way. And we did it armed. Now, I say that. I wasn't armed. We had a Marine guy standing next to us. If you're on a small ship, you actually got armed. If you're on the big aircraft carrier, we had Marines standing there with M-16s. So maybe to put a little bit of fear of God into them to a certain extent, like don't come on the ship if you don't belong here. But it's this idea that we kept watch. And when we kept watch, we didn't just watch for people who were coming on and off the ship. We watched for people who would approach the ship on the pier. Now, a lot of you would go, well, what? You're on base. How are people going to approach the ship who aren't supposed to be there? Well, it's very easy. It happens consistently where there are holes in the guarding of a certain base. There are ways that people find to get on and to get in to 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 seem like they're supposed to be there, but in reality, they're not. And what I want us to see is what Scripture tells us, that we have to keep careful watch because there are going to be those who are deceptive, those who mislead, those who are going to look like they belong, but in reality, they don't belong. And so we have to watch exactly what's going on. And I believe that we have to align everything that we talk about based upon God's word, because Here's the reality. God's word is the thing that stands the test of time. The truth of God's word is the very thing that says, my word will not return to me void. We have to understand that if all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and training in righteousness, then I align my thoughts, my beliefs, and my ideologies, even political stuff, I align those based upon what God says. Not based upon what everybody else tells you to think, but to align my beliefs, even with the end times, with what God's Word says. Now, here's my statement, just so you can understand. I don't believe we need more end-time speculation. You can go online and you can look up all kinds of end-time speculation. But rather to live our lives worthy of the calling and ready for the return of Christ. Christ. So in other words, I'm not a pastor who's going to stand up here and tell you, I believe the end times are going to come at this point in time. I'm not going to be the pastor who makes conjecture and tries to point a a, a current geopolitical situation into scripture and say, see, this is why I believe it lines up. I'm a person who says, here's what God's word says, and here's how we should align our lives to believe what God's Word says, not looking at, well, we want to look towards what's going on in the world and be on guard, not trying to put what's going on in the world into Scripture. All right? So listen, the real question I believe we should be asking is this. What should Christians be doing to be ready for these events leading up to the second coming? So it's not just are we living in the end times, because I could answer that question by saying this, yes. (laughs) I mean and then the sermon's over. Right? Are we living in times? Yep. Bye-bye. Right? But that does us no good. Rather, instead, we want to look at what Scripture says so that we can align ourselves up. So here's what I believe. How do we live in light of Christ's return? How do we live in light of Christ's return? Number one, I believe, is this, that we watch out for, one, for that watch out that no one deceives you I had you say that statement earlier but I want you to keep this in mind Jesus answered watch out that no one deceives you listen deception is all around us we got political deception we got government deception we got sports deception we've got we got deception all around us we got people who tell us you should believe this way when in reality God's word doesn't line up with that we got people who say, you should believe about this about sexuality or this about creation or this about everything else, when in reality, it doesn't line up with God's word. And so watch out that no one deceives you. Listen, deception is going to run rampant. And so here's what I want you to understand as we look at this. Matthew chapter four, when he says, watch out that no one deceives you, we need to begin to ask every question based upon that statement. What does scripture say about this topic? What does Scripture say about finances? What does Scripture say about marriage? What does Scripture say about sexuality? What does Scripture say about the end times? What does Scripture say about all of those things play out as I begin to align my life with what it is? So listen, what we see based upon what Jesus is telling us, keep that in mind, this is the words of Jesus. We're going to see 10 things, and you can write them down, I'm going to have them on the screen above, but I want to encourage you, 10 things are going to happen. They're going to show we're coming to the end. Now, this is why I said the question could be, are we living in the end times? Yep. Because let's see what he says. Number one, watch out that no one deceives you. So there's going to be an attempted deception of followers. There's number one. There's an attempted deception of followers. People who claim to be followers of Jesus are going to be attempted to be deceived. And here's the truth about this. Some are going to be deceived. Some are going to walk away. As a matter of fact, that's what it says here later on. But there's an attempted deception of followers in the body of Christ. So watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. He says then, number two, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Listen, wars have been going on for centuries, right? Whether you want to go back to the, the, to the dark ages the times of the Crusades, if you want to run into the 1600s and 1700s with the wars that go on, went on then, or let's go to the Civil War, then we get to World War I or World War II and the Korean War and the Vietnam War, and then we got the Iraq Gulf War. I mean, you see the situation that goes on consistently. Wars and rumors of wars have been going on for a long time, and now we're dealing with the current Russia-Ukraine thing. So that's number two. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Number three, you're going to see an international hostility. There's going to be more and more hostility among the international nations than we've ever seen before. He says nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Then there's going to be this thing. There's going to be called famines and earthquakes, right? In other words, I believe that natural disasters are going to go through the roof. Which we see an uptick on those things. You look at the fires around the United States. You look at at earthquakes. You look at tornadoes. You look at famines. You look at all of these things. And here's the truth, what Scripture says in Romans chapter 8, that the whole earth is groaning, listen, awaiting the Savior. Now, we look and we go, when Jesus comes back, he's going to save us. Yes, that's true. But do you know that he saves and redeems everything? According to scripture, the heavens and the earth that we currently exist in right now are going to be gone, wiped out. And he's going to establish the new heavens and the new earth. And so it's important for us to understand how we look at this because, listen, if you look at verse 8, it says all of these things, those four things, are just the beginning of birth pains. Where's my mom's at? Like birth pains start early, don't they? (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, like, and it just depends on the circumstance of the, the pregnancy. For some, birth pains start a couple weeks out. I mean, I remember sitting on the couch and watching my son or my daughters go, like, toe-to-toe with my wife's ribcage. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, those are birth, cage, birth, birth pains, right? And that's just the beginning, but there's a long process of, of, of leading up to the birth that's going to take place. And so these are just the beginning of the birth pains. And then, listen, as a result of this beginning, then there's going to be these six other things that are going to rise up. There's going to be a great persecution. Verse 9 says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Right now in America, we don't have that issue or, 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 or stance, but I believe at some point in time, there is most likely going to be a point in time where it's going to be illegal to be a follower of Jesus within the United States and around the world. They're going to say, you guys are bigoted, you guys are hate-filled because you're standing on scripture, therefore it is outlawed. You're not going to be able to worship that way. So that's the beginning, right? The beginning, they're going to be handed over, be persecuted, put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of that of me. And then listen, here's the reality. Like a lot of people looked at COVID and said, COVID is, is kind of separating the wheat from the tares, right? The sheep from the goats. But it says here, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. That's not talking about people who aren't believers. That's talking about people who claim to be believers who are going to turn on those within the church. And I believe to a certain extent there's some of that goes on now. Because what we do is we cater or we water down God's word and we say, well, we don't really align with that anymore because it's 2,000 years old, it's a little dated, so we're not going to line up and believe that. Marriage has changed. Your decision on what gender you want to be, that's completely changed. And so, science no longer is even preeminent, but it's behavior, psychology. And so, as a result, listen, it says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. They will betray and hate each other. And then, listen and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. So you're going to see this great persecution. You're going to see internal strife, betrayal, and hatred within the church. You're going to see the increase of wickedness. Listen why. Increase of wickedness because the love of most will grow cold. In other words, there's going to be more and more hate. Not just hate amongst the body of believers, but there's going to be more hate among people outside the body of Christ. And so as a result, even believers, they're... Their their love for others is going to grow cold. When the truth of the matter is, God says that you should love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. So, that's going to be sign number seven. Sign number eight, listen, is this idea that he who stands firm will be saved. In other words, when we stand on the truth of the gospel, that we're going to be saved as a result of it. And listen, the gospel will be preached to the ends of the world as a result of those who are persecuted. And then it says, right, then the end will come. So there's only eight of the signs. Now listen, the last two are a result of, or as a result of God letting his word play out because of God's sovereignty. It says that the desolation or the abomination of, of desolation or which causes desolation is going to rise. So if you were to read Matthew chapter 24 and following, it says in verse 15, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, what we're talking about there is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will show up. He will be a person that most people will look at and go, see, he's a person of peace. He's looking out for the welfare and the the benefit of the whole world when in reality what he's going to do, is going to turn on people. He's going to destroy people. Because that's the work of Satan, to steal, kill, and destroy. And then the last thing that will happen, and I believe this will be the worst part of all things, and I don't want to be around when it happens, but listen to verse 21. So all of these things have happened. The Antichrist appears, and in verse 21 it says, Then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. So when you think you've got it bad and when you think you've got it wrong, when you think that everything is going chaotically and bad and, and, I mean, it's just going nuts, I believe that in this point in time, it's going to be so torturous that people, according to Scripture, are going to want to die. They don't want to be here anymore. It's going to be so bad. And so listen, it's important for us to understand if we have to keep careful watch, then we have to understand that these are the things we have to be watching for. I have seen many of these play out currently, right? I mean, we're looking at a time and a situation where it says the love of most will grow cold. Violence is on the increase. We don't learn to listen or talk or, or, or even to, to listen to somebody we would disagree with. We just cancel them and we're done. We see more and more people who are deceptive in their teachings, and their theology. When the doctrine of God's word is the very thing upon which everything is built. Listen, if God's word changes in any way, shape, or form, then you have to begin to ask yourself, or if God's word changes over time because of circumstances and situations, then I have to begin to make myself go, well, then is Jesus even relevant? But when the truth of the matter is that God's word doesn't change, then that lines everything else up with this. Yes, Jesus is 100% relevant. Jesus will come back. And as a result of Jesus coming back, then I have to live in a certain way. And this is what today's world doesn't like. When you tell them, you can't do that. And I will even say it this way. This is even where believers don't like being told what to do. Because we like our fire insurance, but pastor, don't be stepping on my toes because I'm living in sin. You're coming at me and I don't like it. When the reality is, because Jesus is coming back, then I live as a result of when he comes back, I have to be ready. So that's why I said we must, be care- uh, we must keep careful watch, living holy lives while remaining on high alert for Christ's coming. Here's number two. We said, number one, I want you to watch out that no one deceives you. Number two, you have to keep watch because we don't know the day. We don't know the time, the hour. That's why I love when people tell me, oh, it's going to be such and such. Really? You ever read God's Word? You ever read Scripture? Because I'm pretty sure you just made the biggest boo-boo in all eternity. Because what God's Word says is very clear, that only the Father knows, not the Son, not the angels, but only the Father knows. Look at Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 36. It says, no one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father And here's what we have to keep him on. This is why I said we have to keep careful watch, living holy lives while remaining on high alert. Listen to what it says. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark and everybody went, Noah, you're crazy, bro. You built this massive ark the size of a USS frigate a united states navy frigate that's going to hold the animals and stuff As a matter of fact it's a little larger actually wider than the u.s navy frigate right but you're building a boat for nothing it's dry out here and what people in the world are saying is you guys are crazy living your lives like that when jesus isn't coming back he didn't come back now why would he all of a sudden come back But what you have to do is understand that we have to keep watch because we don't know the day. Yes, I can look at those things and I can say, are all 10 of these things evident in our society? I can sit back and say seven to eight of them are running in our culture right now, right? So I can sit here and go, is it the end times? Yep. The reality is we haven't seen an Antichrist arise yet. But I have seen people within the church so hate-filled against other believers. I remember praying. I remember saying to a guy one time, and this has been 15, 20 years ago when I was at church in Texas, but I told him, well, God's word says this. He goes, I don't care what God's word says. This is the way we've always done it. And I went, uh-oh. Hold on just a second, bro, because I want to get away from you. <laughs> this was a deacon in the church. And when you have a person come out and go, I don't care what God's word says, but this is the way we've always done it, you are barking up the wrong tree in my life because I believe that we align everything up with God's word. My beliefs, my actions, everything about what I do, what I say and how I act needs to line up with God's word. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 6, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. So listen, we keep watch. We're always on alert, ready for the day that the Lord comes because that's what we're called to do. And this idea of being alert and self-controlled in today's church oftentimes gets overlooked, but self-control means I pay attention to my beliefs and my actions in my life. In other words, don't claim you believe Jesus is the only way and then deny him by the life that you're walking in day in and day out. Don't claim that you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and when Jesus calls your life into question because you want to walk in sin and go, see, no. Paul's very clear in Galatians that because Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean I get to go and do whatever the heck I want. Rather, I align myself up under the authority of God's word and I do what he calls me to do. I am called to be holy. There's a big difference here. Matthew chapter 24 verse 36 says, no one knows the day. Verse 42 says, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. In verse 44, he says, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. So therefore, we keep watch because I don't know the time, you don't know the time. Right now, the son is waiting on the father, and when the father says, now it's time, he's going to show up. And what's beautiful about that picture is when we look at scripture and hear how it plays out, that says that that Jesus will show up with a trump out in the sky. it says that those who are dead in Christ will be raised first, and those who are alive in Christ will be raised second. We'll be caught up and we will go to heaven with him. And so listen, we understand or we keep watch because we do not know the day. Number three, we must live holy lives in light of Christ's return. I want you to flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3. You can follow along here. But I want us to understand this reality. We live holy lives in light of Christ's return return 2nd Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 3 it says this first of all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own what evil desires They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, listen to this, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Keep in mind, Matthew chapter 24, where it's talking about Noah, the earth... Or the the earth, the world of that time, was deluged and destroyed by the same word. So the word that was spoken by God, that spoke everything into existence, that was created, that created the waters, the waters that destroyed the earth, but the same word, or by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the day or with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then jump down to verse 11. It says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We are called to live holy lives. And listen, here's what plays out in the Old Testament and then in reality what's playing out today. In Judges chapter 21, it says, as a result of the Judges kind of ceasing to exist and God not sitting on the throne of Israel as king, it says, in those days Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. Does that sound like anything we live in today? Jesus is not on the throne of our lives For some, he's not on the throne of our governments or on our nations. And so as a result, everyone did as they saw fit. In other words, what I think is best for me. Everyone is selfish. When Jesus and Paul lay this out and Peter lay this out very clearly, that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ. So I ought to live a holy and godly life as I look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. See, people will follow their own evil desires. It's not hard. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. People would doubt and question Jesus coming. By God's word, the heavens and the earth came into existence. By that same word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire and judgment. And it's important for us to understand, if we don't live a holy life and we don't live it separate from everything else and we allow disunity and we allow sin to be the very thing that sits on our throne then in reality what you're reserved for is judgment. Matthew chapter 7 says this, that as the end comes about, people are going to come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, did we not cast out many demons and heal many people, and Jesus is going to say, away from me, I never knew you. When we deal with this idea of holiness within the church, you have to begin to ask this question, it's not, can I get away with it? It's this. God, is this holy in your sight? Does this bring honor and glory to your name? Or is this about me fulfilling a selfish desire inside? Whether it's sex, sex outside of marriage. Listen, here's one of the struggles with the church. We want to be hard on homosexuality, and yet we want to flirt around and go and sleep with whoever we can get in bed because they're the opposite sex. Let's be real. Both are just as bad. Both are sin. And listen, you may go, well, I don't do that. Okay, well, what about your phone and pornography? Ouch. See, we like to grade sin. This is bad, this isn't, this is really bad. Nope, not so much. Sin is sin. And God's going to deal with all sin equally. Now, the good news is this. Here's the beautiful news. That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That my life I live, I no longer live as my own because I live as a result of Christ. That my life is dead. That's the beautiful picture of baptism. That I was dead in my sins and I'm buried and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me and so now I walk as a new creation. And listen to me, there is no excuse to say, Well, I've I've just I've always dealt with this sin. Great. But sin is sin, and God deals with sin equally. And so it's our job to deal with the sin that's in our life and confess our sin because he is faithful and just to forgive us of any and all unrighteousness. So we live our lives in light of Christ's return in an act of holiness. And then listen, the Lord's patience, when he's tarrying, when he's waiting to come back, the Lord's patience means salvation for those who don't know who Jesus is. That's why it's important that we live holy lives. Separate from what the world says contrary, contradictory, going against the flow of what the world says and staying aligned with God's word. Because listen, the Lord's patience in coming is giving you and I and others a chance to respond to the salvation he offers in Jesus Christ. That's why church, it's important that we do live holy lives, but we take the gospel very seriously. Because those who don't know Jesus, listen again what he says right here. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You may say, well, that's pretty harsh. God doesn't love people. No, God shows his love, but man rejects it. God shows his love by Jesus' death on the cross, but because, listen, sin has become so focused in our lives, that we reject God, we turn and we walk away from God. While God is pursuing us, we continue to go down the road of death and destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. So listen, the Lord's patience means salvation. The Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the knife. It will not come like the flood did, or it will come like the flood did in the times of Noah. We are called to live holy and godly lives. Our beliefs matter, but our actions matter just as much. I want to encourage you with this as we close. Jesus is coming back. We cannot be found walking in disobedience and in sin just because we choose to live that way. We are called to deal with sin through the power of God in us. That is why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it is Christ in me That allows me to overcome my sins and my weaknesses and my struggles and my worries and my anxieties and my fears. It is Christ in me, the power of Jesus on the cross, the power of Jesus in the grave, the power of Jesus resurrected and the power of Jesus coming again. That is the same power that lives in you and lives in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter three says this. So then, dear friends. Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. That's the promised hope. And I want to close with these verses. Very simple, but yet so powerful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 16. And it says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And I love verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Listen, there is a reality that we have to understand as a church, as followers of Jesus, that we take very seriously the second coming of Jesus, that we remember, listen, that we must be careful or keep careful watch, living holy lives while remaining on high alert for Christ's return. And I believe we remain on high alert when we understand that God wants to use you and me to share the gospel with somebody else who has never heard it. God takes what was old and decrepit and beat down and in bondage and in chains and in slavery, and he says, I remove those chains. I remove that bondage. I remove that slavery. I remove what's been beat down, and I resurrect, and I bring to life, just as we sang at the start of the service. I offer life and life more abundantly. But listen. We cannot continue to allow sin to invade and evade and allow it to lead us in ways that are not good, ways that are contrary to Scripture. Because when we do, we have set ourselves up for failure. Because God desires holiness. And he's called you and I to that. And as a result of Jesus' second coming, we're called to live holy lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promised hope of the return of Jesus, a hope that says that in the midst of the worst times of the world that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that God, in the midst of hatred, that the love of most will grow cold, but thankfully because you are in us, our love will not grow cold. But God, we must keep you first and foremost. So God, may we be a church that is always focused on the cross, that is always focused on the return of Jesus because when we keep our eyes on the cross, when we keep our eyes on you and your return, then we will not go quietly, we will not sit silently by, but we will speak the truth in love with great grace and deal with the sin in our lives because we want to be people who are holy and righteous in your sight. Father, use us as only you can do. May we speak the power and the words of your son because his death on the cross is what purchased us and gave us life. May we walk in the power of your spirit and use the words that the spirit gives us when we don't know what to say because that's what your word says. So God, empower us as a church. May we never cater or crumble to the outside world, but may we stay obedient to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with this song. If you have never, listen, the Lord not coming is your chance at salvation. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. And if you've never aligned yourself with Christ, you've never repented of your sins, you've never turned to follow him and trusted him, then today's the day you nail that sucker down. Today is the day you put Christ first. And as a church, church, I would just say this, if there's anything unrighteous, any sin in your life that you need to confess, then you deal with that with the Lord today. You can confess it to me, and I'd love to pray with you, but listen, I believe you deal with that wholeheartedly, where you're at with God. Let's close with the song.